Pop Health Podcast is supported by 24-Hour Home Care. All episodes of Pop Health Podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and pophealthpodcast.com. Global cap to most people means capitation covering both professional services and institutional services, meaning okay. principally hospitals, also skilled nursing facilities. That's global cap. It is also sometimes referred to as full risk. Got it. Okay. Now we move to professional risk only, and that refers to capitation or the equivalent being paid just for professional services. Yes. To further complicate things in the Medicare parlance, hospitals are within Part A, professional services are within Part B, so on and on it goes. But a very good question because those are those those labels are getting confused a lot. everyone and welcome to Pop Health Podcast. This is Gavin Ward, co-host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I sat down with Don Crane, president of America's Physician Groups, formerly known as CAPG. Don talks about his initiatives in 44 states with over 300 physician groups as the nation's healthcare system moves from what's been referred to as volume to value in accountable care. Don talks about the rebrand that APG, or America's Physician Groups, went through in 2018 and how his initiatives in 2019 are really going to lead to better health care for all of us. We hope you enjoy today's show, and if you do, feel free to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. You can find the show on Spotify as well and, of course, pophealthpodcast.com. Thanks, everyone, and enjoy the show. So, Don, it's been a year since we've connected with you, and uh, believe it or not, you're our first three-time guest, which is pretty neat, and definitely kudos to you uh, for past episodes. So tell us what you've been up to, perhaps maybe touch base on your life with uh, canines. Well, first, thank you very much, Kevin, for having me. I didn't know I was a third-time invitee, but that's good and may have something to do with the price I charge, which is zero. So <laughs> anyway, thank you for that. Just a quick uh, note for the fans in the audience. Uh, we have never paid for a guest. Uh, sorry, Don. <laughs> well, good, good. Anyway, glad to do it in any event. So the, your question is, what, what, what have I been doing personally lately? And uh, so I think I uh, disclosed in the past one or two podcast that I'm a dog lover. So um, the big news in the Crane household is that we have a new Great Dane, a rescue, um, said to be about a year and a half old, uh, definitely a puppy. And so anyway, I'm having fun training on him and trying to turn him into a civilized creature. So you mentioned a year and a half old, but it's a Great Dane. If you mind me asking, do you know the weight of a year and a half. Year, year He's and a half 130 pounds <laughs> and it's filling out as we speak, you know, as a rescue. He was pretty thin when we got him. Yeah. So but between a lot of food and then running up and down some hills, he's get putting on some thickness everywhere, muscle mostly. So he's a big, strong boy. Yeah. Nice. Good for you. I'm sure that's bringing a lot of joy yep. uh, for you. Okay. So uh, can you remind the audience a little bit, what is APG? So APG is our acronym. The, of course, the full name is America's Physician Groups, and our tagline is Taking Responsibility for America's Health. 
an audacious tagline to be sure, but yeah. an accurate one, very aspirational, but very accurate. So, you know, we're a professional association of physician groups. Right. Physician groups spread all across the United States. I think we're in 44 states at last count, over 300 physician groups, uh, more than half of them outside of California now. Great. So there's been large national growth. What distinguishes APG and our members is that all of our members are somewhere on the risk spectrum, right? And so dedicated to risk-based contracting and, and dedicated to the, the care model, which is basically coordinated care. Right. Um, so we like to think of ourselves as the tip of the spear in the value movement. Um, but we have very sophisticated groups that have been taking global capitation for many, many years. And at the end of the spectrum, we have upside-only Medicare ACOs, and we have everything in between. That's who we are. And of course, we do advocacy and we do an awful lot in terms of education and sharing best practices and try and lead the healthcare industry as it moves from volume to value. That's right. who we are. Now, you mentioned uh, advocacy. Um, so I know while your permanent residence is out here in Southern California, where we're recording today, you actually spend a lot of time in D.C. as well, correct? Oh, very correct. So I'm there almost every other week, have an apartment there. So I'm on both sides of the country. Very good. Yeah. So uh, for those of you in the audience that may not know, APG, or America's Physician Groups, used to be known as CAPG. And so last year, I believe, 2018, that's was, right. Uh, you guys had the big rebrand. Yes. Tell us how that's gone. So it's gone very well. So we launched our new brand, the APG brand, uh, taking responsibility for America's health with a new pretty red, white, and blue logo. I think it was last March. And it's gone very well. It has signaled to the world that indeed we are national, which we are. The word responsible connotes our model, which is, you know, population health, prospective payment, whether it's capitation or other, some other risk-based form of payment. And it's gone well. I think it's uh, helped people understand that we're national and who we are. So. Right. Have you caught yourself saying Cap G, or has that pretty much been eliminated? <laughs> Mostly eliminated. So we have a swear jar usually where we go, and we catch people who and accidentally uh, use the term Cap G. They haven't fully gotten it out of their vernacular, and so we catch, catch a dollar for any time it happens. So, nice. And there's nice. some money in it, I will tell you. Not Very little of it is mine. Good. Well, well done. Uh, so tell us, over the past year, what is new with APG? Well, the growth um, is new. Um, certainly, we're interested in continuing to grow. Uh, the more members, the better. Um, it is certainly helps with our advocacy in Sacramento, but more importantly, in Washington, D.C. So we're heavily engaged and on the Hill with the committees of jurisdictions and finance, energy and commerce, ways and means, but also highly engaged with CMS and CMMI right. and, and, and other relevant agencies. So um, the growth has been a big deal. You know, when I say to think about, you know, we have multiple priorities, but the one that I would focus on right now as, as being a new and exciting thing is the new models we are urging on CMMI. Okay. So, and, and can you remind the audience what is CMMI? Thank you for that. Sure. Uh, indeed. So that's the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation, I believe. Yes. You Known to most people as the Innovation Center, right? And funded by the Affordable Care Act, and there to be a factory and laboratory for 
basically new models as we move the country from volume to value. So that work has been underway for a long time. It, the CMMI gave us first ACOs, which I think are now housed within CMS. It's hard to know exactly how they divvy up their jurisdiction. But what's interesting now is that we're soon to hear CMMI, the Innovation Center, release a number of new alternative payment models, also known as APMs, a new acronym we all got to know and love in connection with the MACRA law that was passed, I think, in 2015, a few years ago now. But that law, Medicare and CHIP Reauthorization Act, really is the foundation for the movement away from fee-for-service to risk-based contracting. So we will soon see a number of new models, we are told. We've been working um, closely with Adam Bowler and his team we are told we will see them at the end of the first, uh, by the end of the first quarter here in 2019, perhaps two flights of three different models. So that's promising, new, and exciting. But with that, we continue to urge the models we have designed. So it started with our third option, a very, I think, complicated model involving global capitation and a point of service design. And that we have urged on CMS and CMMI and Congress for a number of years now. But adding to that now, we are advocating the addition of a professional risk-only model that we're very excited about. We expect to be um, sending that to Adam Bowler and his team here any day now, frankly. Okay. Uh, just a couple clarifying questions. Yep, sure. Um, Adam Bowler, head of? He's the head of the Innovation Center. Very good. You also mentioned global capitation and uh, professional uh, capitation or professional risk only. Right. So Uh, I'm diving into the weeds, no question. (laughs) Could you clarify, many of our audience are physicians, some aren't, some aren't as familiar with risk. Could you define very quickly what's global capitation and and the other comments? Certainly. Thank you for the question. So global cap to most people means capitation covering both professional services and institutional services, meaning principally hospitals, also skilled nursing facilities. That's global cap. It is also sometimes referred to as full risk. Got it. Okay. Now we move to professional risk only, and that refers to capitation or the equivalent being paid just for professional services. Yes. Further complicate things in the Medicare parlance, hospitals are within part A, professional services are within part B. So on and on it goes. But a very good question because those are those those labels are get confused a lot. Absolutely. And I know while the majority of our audience are clinical professionals who are familiar with working with patients that might be under at-risk uh, insurances or physician groups versus PPO style fee-for-service, um, I always like to define it for some of the audience that may not be uh, clinical professionals. So thank you for that. Sure. So government shutdowns over as we record. It was a 35-day shutdown. Did that affect you guys at all in any of your work or not really? Minimally. It did so in that it did shut down the Office of Management and Budget, OMB. Okay. And that agency uh, is in charge of sort of making sure the dollars associated with some of these new programs soon to be released by the Innovation Center, okay. uh, sort of past muster. And since it was shut down, it had the sort of trickle-down of effect of slowing down the work at the Innovation Center, who itself wasn't shut down, but since someone else within the system was. So it's slow. it has slowed some progress down, but as I say, it has minimally affected us, frankly. Okay, so if the shutdown 
future shutdown, let's say theoretically could happen, for the most part, you guys should be able to operate business as usual. Is that fair to say? Yes. Okay. And by the time this episode is released, hopefully uh, that hasn't happened. <laughs> Correct. I agree. Um, so I know APG is not a hospital organization, but in the news recently is all about hospital and pricing transparency for mostly acute care medical centers. I was curious if APG has any interaction with that or if that's completely unrelated um, to what you all do. It's not completely unrelated. Clearly, we're interested in almost everything that's direct and even those things that are tangentially uh, affect our businesses. So we pay attention to that. And that's that's been a subject that's been alive for a long time. It's picked up some recent notice, uh, both federally and I think within California. Okay. Um, are you able to comment at all? or? Well, sure. I mean, the fo- this is, okay, so the focus I think we're talking about right now is the transparency of hospital pricing. Correct. Right? So, yes. But I mean, the larger call is for transparency across all sectors. But with respect to the hospital pricing, it is a uh, indeed a complicated matter. I think far more complicated than most people, even the authors of these various bills that call for hospital transparency right. fully appreciate it. it. has a lot to do with the fact that they have what's known as a charge master, which is a multi, I mean, scores of page list of the prices for all of their services. Right that has minimal relevance to reality because most of their services fall within contracts. Correct. Hospitals will have scores of contracts with different payers, different health plans, uh, and the like. And all of those prices tend to be different because of uh, whatever negotiating power these purchasers have. The charge master there is there. It's not fully fictional because it's used in on a kind of a default basis, but... Um, it is the most sort of available item for people to clutch at. I mean, it, when, when you ask a hospital CEO, may I see a list of your prices? He hands you the charge master. Yeah, gotcha. And, and, and yet it's complicated. And then there's also the fact that, you know, very few patients have anything to do with the charge master because they're insured. Or they come in by way of the emergency room where they may actually be unconscious when they are admitted into the hospital. Right. So uh, some ability to look at prices is not something that's going to affect their, you know, they're not going to ask the ER doc to go further down the street to Hospital B instead of Hospital A. So I'm being a little facetious as I say that. But it just to illustrate the point that it's a complex issue for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for uh, your comments there. So uh, we're recording California. And Medicare Advantage plans in California have a very large presence. And they're at risk like entities. Um, and we're seeing more and more Medicare Advantage expansion throughout the country, which I'm sure has a direct correlation to the work that you guys do. Are there any facts or figures uh, that you're able to share with the audience about the public and how many or how much of the public is under uh, receiving care under a capitated organization or even under APG's care? So nationally, I think that Medicare Advantage penetration is now exceeded one third. That's what I've of heard Medicare. too. So talk, think, think 33% of Medicare beneficiaries nationally are signed up with a Medicare Advantage plan. That percentage is higher yet in California. I don't recall where it is precisely, but it's pushing 40-ish percent. In some counties, it's pushing 50%. Right. So Medicare Advantage is, ra- is relatively very popular and very successful in California. Um, 
The other sort of notable difference is that Medicare Advantage in California is most definitely a capitated program. Right. So health plan receives money from the federal government, call it capitation, but then it is paid downstream to physician groups as subcapitation. They get a percentage of the premium. Yes. Got it. Outside California, health plans that are capitated in Medicare Advantage sometimes pay capitation downstream but often do not. They continue to pay fee-for-service to physicians and hospitals. Right. That is an issue that we are working on and calling to the attention of regulators and legislators in Washington, D.C., and, and saying, if you really want to um, you know, advance the value movement, you should create incentives that cause health plans outside of California to... Um, provide risk-based contracts downstream and move away from fee-for-service. So there's a distinction between really California and the rest of the country on how it's how MA or Medicare Advantage is operated. So Yeah, that makes sense. I think we touched on it last year, but um, here in 2019, there's new freedom for plans to offer supplemental benefits. Examples of that include uh, additional transportation services to get to their doctor's appointments, my day job, I work for a home care company. One of the benefits is to receive non-medical in-home care. And I'm curious, for APG or your physicians, are they aware of those additional benefits? Does it really impact their day-to-day? Absolutely, yes. So I think this was the Budget Act and then maybe also a corresponding set of, of regulations have now allowed health plans to include Um, not just the regular benefits and not just the vision and dental that we've become familiar with, but they've been allowed to expand the benefits offered for Medicare Advantage to include some of the social determinant of health kinds of issues. Right. Transportation, home visits, I think food insecurity. Absolutely. And and an important, fairly limited, but very important additional roster of social determinants. This is hugely important to... Uh, my members who are capitated for these populations because those items, when addressed, very directly improve the quality of life and the quality of care and the outcomes that seniors receive. And they also have the effect of reducing cost. So we applaud this uh, big time and think it's also appropriate for physician groups to be in the middle of the basically furnishing of services and social determinants, those that we can. Now, we can't, you know, rid an inner city of gang violence. Right. But we can be involved in food, provision of food to, um, you know, diabetics that can't otherwise get it, et cetera, et cetera. So this is an important step forward, and I think it's going to make Medicare Advantage stronger, and it's going to be very helpful to the, the senior population. Very good. We talked, we've been talking, we've seen this for years, but fewer and fewer independent practices exist. Uh, to my, based on my knowledge. And I wanted to see from your perspective at APG how physicians have adapted, why, why that's happening, if you can comment on that. Yes, indeed, this is the case. I mean, the, the precise numbers I don't know, but there has been a trend. It's most evident uh, for phys- independent physicians to do something different, to join an organization, for example, generally. But more specifically, hospitals have acquired a lot of physician practices as they have tried to become more integrated and I think also to, you know, corral business, as it were. Um, That's part of the motivation. So, indeed, physicians 
um, her looking at that opportunity, which has existed, and and considering it because being an independent physician is tough. There's a lot of administrative burden. There's a lot of burnout, and so the opportunity to be hired by a hospital is attractive to some physicians in some quarters. Many physicians, of course, dread it like the plague. They really want to retain their independence, right? And they're looking for ways to do that. That makes sense. My, uh, I have a good friend who. I'll be vague. Uh, he's a surgeon for a prestigious teaching hospital, part of a big system. And I, I'm sure he does well, and he's employed by that system. But he is on call, and he is uh, he's working quite a few hours. Um, so I'm wondering if there's any physicians out there who still, or maybe you may interact with some, who still like the independence of running their own practice versus being employed and um so no, the answer is definitely yes. Yeah. So we're, in fact, including in our upcoming annual conference a breakout session addressing this very subject, I think, entitled, you know, How Physicians Can Remain Independent. Ah, interesting. So we'll get, and that conference is in April. It is. And we'll uh, touch on that. And, and I'm curious, I have more questions on the conference in just a few moments. But before we get to that, we're going to take a quick break. Okay. And folks, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Pop Health Podcast is supported by 24-Hour Home Care. All episodes of Pop Health Podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and pophealthpodcast.com. All right. Well, welcome back from the break. We're about to talk about the 2019 conference, which will be here in April. But actually, before we do so, I had a question about in-home physicians or physicians that are house, doing house calls. Right. Um, it's kind of come back a little bit. There's even a company out there called Heal, um, who you may be familiar with. And I'm curious, for AP, from APG's perspective, are your physicians excited about house calls? Are they interested in it? Can you touch on the whole idea of house calls, benefits, pros, cons? Well, we're most interested in the subject. And there's no question, there's an, a very clear trend for health, more services, healthcare services to be delivered at home. In fact, I mean, it, I think it can be said that, um, you know, hospital census is declining, home-based care is increasing. This is a function of science that enables, for example, remote monitoring of patients in their homes in a way we never could do before. Also, I think a kind of an, uh, uh, the recognition that the home is a better site of care for many people recovering from right. illness or surgeries and the like. You know, hospitals are important, they're beloved, so don't get me wrong about those things, but there are also places where infections occur, yep. hospital-acquired infections, and there are safety issues and injuries and the like. So I think the vast majority of patients in most circumstances would prefer to be recovering at home. Not always, but often. And so there's an increasing amount of home-based care. You hear programs, hospital at home, and on and on. So that's a strong and important trend. And also, it's important because we think it's associated with higher quality often. Right. Often. Um, and also with lower cost as well. Yeah. So we applaud it. We're interested in it. We're working on it. And uh, yeah. Okay. Great. And uh, before we jump into the conference, my very last question is the term phys- or the phrase physician shortage is thrown out there quite a bit. And I wanted to get your take on this phrased as impending doom, we're not going to have enough doctors and, and all of that. What is your take on that? 
So I think there is a physician shortage, certainly in certain areas, geographies, and certainly with respect to certain specialties. There's no question. The one thing I would say is that there's a there's a, an acute shortage if we were to be in solely a fee-for-service, an inefficient fee-for-service model. So to the extent that we move into coordinated care, where physicians are supported by teams, mid-levels, and physician extenders, and nurse practitioners, and physician assistants, and pharmacists, and psychologists, that picture changes. And all of a sudden, the shortage is far less dire. When we use physicians wisely, there's a lesser shortage, if a shortage at all. Where we use physicians unwisely, there's a shortage. So as you can tell, uh, I think that part of the solution is moving to the correct kind of care model, the better care model, which may or may not eliminate the problem uh, entirely, but certainly mitigates it. Absolutely. And I know last year, one of the announcements at the conference, which we'll talk about here in just a second, um, was a partnership with a group called Partners in Care, which addresses the social determinants of care. And I think you had alluded to it earlier that the physician is not the sole um, provider for the patients. So it seems like APG gets it. Um, it's not all just about the physician, but about the whole care team. That is and, correct. And, well um, said. Yeah. Well said. So I look forward to learning more about how that uh, partnership is going. But let's jump into the conference. So uh, we're recording here in the winter. Um, your conference is coming up in a couple months. This episode will be released probably in the next uh, few weeks, month or so. Tell us about the upcoming conference in April. So the uh, conference is still being, you know, arranged. I mean, most of our speakers and sessions have been determined and are in concrete. We've got some exciting speakers. Eric Topol will be uh, speaking, the famous author on multiple subjects uh, from scripts. Rishi Manchanda uh for sure, one of the leading lights, if not the leading light, in social determinants of health. I think he refers to as upstreaming, is speaking uh, a plenary session speaker. We have a couple other speakers whose names I'm not at liberty to mention right oh, now. Okay. Uh, but they will sign on and we will make a big splash about them being added to our, our lineup. We've got a number of what we call mega sessions on important topics and a a large number of breakout sessions on important subjects that are going to, I think the audience is going to find fascinating and helpful. So we're excited about it. We have a really strong program coming up. Yeah, I've attended portions of the last two conferences and we're, uh, you're hosting it in San Diego again. Yes. Which is a great venue. Same hotel as well. Yep. Yes. And that's the Manchester Grand Hyatt. That's correct. Yeah. Great hotel, folks. If you haven't signed up yet, I highly recommend it. It's a great learning experience and um, a wealth of knowledge. Um, and the venue, like I said, I remember going jogging in the morning right there on the water. So a great opportunity. How do folks uh, stay in touch and learn more about the conference? Well, I would say immediately go to our webpage and uh, register to A-P-G. attend. APG.org. Very good. Go straight to the website and then register and attend uh, is what I recommend. If you have if people have questions or something, they can contact me or one of my staff and we can furnish them with brochures and so on. But that's all laid out on the web page. Very good. And this is the biggest event of the year for you guys, right? It is. It yeah. is by, by uh, measured by number of attendees. So we're looking at probably 2,000 people there. It's 
big, well-known, tons of history and, and momentum. But our smaller uh, conference in October this coming year, it'll be in November in Washington, D.C., which we refer to as our colloquium. While smaller in terms of numbers, is uh, equally strong in terms of curriculum and faculty, and then perhaps stronger yet in terms of impact on policy, because we are given the location, we're able to uh, invite more staffers, congressmen, senators, and so forth to speak, and we're able to influence the dialogue in the echo chamber that is Washington D.C. So smaller by by by, but measured by numbers, but every bit as large, if not larger, in terms of strategic importance for all of us. Very good. And just a reminder, folks, I mentioned I have attended the conference uh, last couple of years. Uh, you do not have to be a physician to attend. While the, the core talking points are physicians, the majority of the audience are physicians. If you're a non-physician, um, you could register as well. Is that Absolutely. It's open to the public. Very good. Again, folks, that's apg.org. <clears throat> Great event. I believe it's a Thursday, through Wednesday through Saturday, Thursday through it Saturday. It starts on Wednesday with a pre-conference, really good, strong pre-conference in three different concurrent sessions that relate to differing levels of risk contracting. Then it moves into um, Thursday and Friday and Saturday. We finish up on, on Saturday at noon. So it is a it's a it's a nice long conference with a lot of education, a lot of networking, uh, and an opportunity for vendors and contractors to show their wares. But the networking is actually the thing that most attendees comment as being the single most important to them. They see their friends, those they contract with, those they work with. They see everybody they know yeah. at the APG conference. Definitely a buzz when you're walking those <clears> halls. <throat> there's, a, there's an energy there. Well, Don, it's been great having you um, as a guest again. Again, our first third time guest on the show. We've been doing the podcast for about three and a half years, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll have the opportunity to connect again in the future. Uh, best wishes to you, Don. Any final comments for the audience? Well, no, I think that'll do it. I, I, I just think we're in an interesting place in time here as the value movement continues apace. I think it's going to uh, quicken the pace yeah. soon. We're glad to be in the forefront of it, and we're looking, uh, we, we're looking forward to friends and partners to join us and help us in the noble cause of moving to value. So. Very good, Don. Well, thanks so much for your comments, uh, for serving as our guest. Folks, if you've liked today's show, feel free to learn more about the show at pophealthpodcast.com, or you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. Also, encourage you to leave a review. Those reviews help the podcast stay visible and uh, help us get guests like Don to join us for the show. And again, Don, you're so kind to not charge us for your time. <laughs> thanks so much, everybody. Take care.